and welcome to our podcast. Thanks for tuning in to our global broadcast across Hope City Church. We pray that this message inspires, encourages, and builds your faith as you listen. Enjoy the message. people who are maxing out right now. They're doing the Eagles classic song. They're taking it to the limits one more time. They're stretched out on the floor. And I get it, you know, people have been cooped up for a long time. People have had to get on with people they don't naturally spend as much time with, i.e. spouses and children. And, uh, and even my wife and I, she said to me the other night, she said, do you want me to, to, to put the rest of your takeaway in the fridge? And I, I, I got mad with her, you know, thinking, well, I'll do it, you know. And it was as if she was stepping on my personal space. It was my takeaway. I'd planned to do what I wanted to do with my takeaway. And I realised, Dave, why are you erupting over such a small thing? But, you know, personal space it isn't a small thing. We all crave it. We all need it. It's a part of our humanity. And, and we've all been invading other people's personal space. We're complex people. We're as deep as the ocean, as complex as the tide. And uh, a lot of people have maxed out in their prayer life as well. They've, they prayed, uh, you know, the entire alphabet. They've prayed around the world. And and they're waiting for God to answer, but they're stretched out. They've, they've gone to the max. They've, they've taken it to the limit. And I want to say a couple of things about that. Firstly, congratulations. You know, uh, Jesus said, you want to live life to the max. Uh, he's, you know, the, you, you want to expand the border. You want to blow your balloon up to, to the maximum before bursting. And there's a lot of people who live this side, who live with a saggy balloon. There's a lot of people that live just just you know, so slack and so off the boil that they never max out. They never reach their optimum potential. They never extend the borders of their tent to the optimum. And so I want to congratulate those that have. And there's a quote from Theodore Roosevelt, who's one of the presidents of America. And he, this is what he said. He said, the credit belongs not to the critic, but to those who are actually in the arena, not the grandstand, whose faces are marred by dust and sweat and blood, who at best know in the end the triumph of high achievement or at worst, if he or she fails, at least they fail daring greatly so that his or her place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat." Now, I love that. If, if your face is covered with dust and blood and sweat, congratulations. You know, this is what life's about. It's about maxing out. It's about taking things to the limit, stretching yourself to, to absolute optimum. And, uh, and I think personally it's a good thing. And even though you might not be liking it, I just, I just think that you ought to be rewarded for it. There's a guy called Jacob in the Bible who's the son of Isaac, who's the son of Abraham. And, and Jacob had been out of the land of Canaan, his homeland, for 20 years. And, uh, and God said to him, I want you to get back to your homeland. And he thought, well, that's fine, but I've got a brother who I stole um, his inheritance from, who's been murmuring death threats for two decades now. And that's the reason why I left the homelands. And you're telling me to go back and, so he said, I'll do it. And, uh, and his heart started to beat the closer he got back to the land of Canaan. He finally got into the land of Canaan and he was about to cross 
a, 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 a shallow river called the Ford of Jabok. And he said to his, his family, he said to his, his uh, attendants, he said, you, you guys all go over to the other side. I'm just going to have a breather here. Because he knew that, that his brother Esau was only days away and he didn't have a clue what was going to happen. And, and so he just needed a time of solitude. And I guess, I guess he was just, he, he just collapsed. Uh, thinking I've got no strength left, I've got nowhere to go. And we'll hear in a few minutes' time that something absolutely incredible happened. And I wanna say to each person who's maxing out right now, if you add faith to your max out, then something extraordinary is gonna happen to your life. Here's, I just wanna say three things about your limits. And, and firstly, the, your limits are always changing. People, people often say you wanna know your limits. And I'm thinking, well, no one quite knows the limits because when they know the limits, they know yesterday's limits, how they were yesterday. But your limits are like coastal erosion. Every time you go back to that cliff, every time you go back to that beach, a little bit of it's fallen off, a little bit of it's been inundated by the sea. And I think it's the same with your limits, that what was your limit last year has changed this year. I don't think you need to know your limits. I think you wanna find your limits. And I think you'll find that your limit is, is greater than, than what you could have ever imagined because we're growing, you're growing. For every Christian out there, this is what the Bible says about you in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. It says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord. Another translation says that we're, we're going from glory to glory ever increasing glory, which simply means that, that whatever were your boundaries last year, last month, six months ago, that the boundaries have increased right now. And so don't ever stick to the adage, know your limits, because you'll live well within your current limits. I want to say, explore your limits, explore the extremities of your ability, the extremities of your potential right now. And um, it was only a few weeks ago that, that I was thinking, well, I'm coming close to my extremity. And then God said to me, He said, Dave, come on, you weren't born yesterday. You've, you've got a lot of words of faith in you. You've got a thousand promises in you. You've, you've, you've got a thousand experiences with me and you. you've, you've been through a thousand storms. And so Dave, don't stop. I've got this, keep on going. And I just felt that I was trying to limit myself according to who I was yesterday. And God was saying, Dave, this is a new you. This isn't the old you. And so let's keep on going until we get to the absolute extremities. But you've got a lot going for you. You've been through a lot of experiences. This isn't the first storm that you've experienced. You're not wet behind ears. And I wanna say that to every one of you watching right now, that, that you weren't born yesterday, you know, and you can imitate the collapse of other people. But I just think that some of you just could just, just pick yourself up, brush yourself down um, and just, just get going again till you reach the ultimate extremities of, of your ability. Um, the second thing is, is your stretching. Well, it, it is your preparation. And this is what it says in Isaiah 54, verse two and three. It says, enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your tent curtains wide, don't hold back, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes for you'll spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. It says enlarge the place of your tent. Don't, don't hold back, stretch, 
stretch, stretch your tent curtains wide. And then it gives a promise. It says that, that your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. That a lot's gonna happen within, within that tent. So we wanna prepare the way. We wanna buy the cot before the baby comes along. We wanna prepare the soil before the harvest comes along. And so your stretching is your preparation. And, and he's doing it because he wants there to be a divine exchange between heaven and earth. And divine exchanges happen at the extremities of your ability. So in that place that you might be finding yourself at right now, there's a number of things that, that are about to happen. Number one, he's gonna move you from destiny to sovereignty. And destiny is, is everything you can do with your faith, with Christ inside you. And He's gonna transfer you from moving from the energies of Christ inside you to Christ above you. And when God becomes sovereign, it just means that everything works together for good to those who love God. There's not one thing that God can't work for good. The dangerous hydrogen can mix with the oxygen of faith to create the rivers of your future, the water of your future. Something good is about to happen because He's about to move you from destiny to sovereignty. And the plans that God has for you are for good, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Secondly, He wants to move you to a place of fresh encounter. And this is where I cut in reading the story from Genesis about Jacob. And when he was all alone, uh, when the sun was setting, he, he faced an enemy that was actually a friend. It was an angel, but it was a, a pre-incarnation of God Himself. And it says this in Genesis 22, 32, verse 24 onwards. So Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it's daybreak. But Jacob replied, I'll not let you go until you bless me. And the man asked him, what's your name? And Jacob answered, uh, Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, because you've struggled with God and with men and have overcome. What an encounter. Like it's weird and it's strange, but he realised that the halfway through that this is a God encounter. And then he said, because prayer is always a wrestle. You know, that God's invisible. We, 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 he's got promises, but He's invisible. And he said, I won't let you go until you bless me. And then he got the blessing from God and God changed him for the rest of his life. And that's what happens at the extremities. There are angels ascending and descending as there was for Jacob when he slept one night. And it's the same with you, that there's a God factor that's about to kick in in your life. There's the promises of God. When you reach the optimum of Christ in you, when you reach the optimum, or even of your own strength, of your own abilities, of your own gifting, you're in an incredible zone right now. A zone where, where God wants to give you an encounter. And for Jacob, this extraordinary thing happened when he reached the end of himself. And then what God did was, was, was to pick the weakest part of him and to place his greatest strength in it. And for Jacob, his, his greatest weakness was in his name because his name, Jacob, meant deceiver. 
And he'd got it from his mum because his mum had received a prophecy that, that Jacob would be the leader and his older brother would, would serve him. And, uh, and it was all wrong because the older brother's the one that gets the inheritance. Then, then his mother, you know, uh, decided one night to dress the younger brother up like the older brother to go and see his father Isaac, whose eyesight was 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 weak at the time, and his his dad gave the birthright to the wrong child. So deception was was a part of who he was. And I don't know about you, but but each one of us have a collection of dark sides or an address that we visit as part of our dark side. And yet it's that very dark side that, that God wants to create and become our light side. He wants His greatest strength to be placed on our greatest weakness. And so what the angel did, what God did was change His name from Jacob, which means deceived, Israel, which means one who wrestles with God, uh, one who prevails with God and wins. One has an encounter with God, not, not just an encounter with the sunset or the sunrise or, or a feeling of goose pimples, but one that contends with God. And he changed his nature and broke the back of his deceptiveness and he became a new man. And that's what God wants to do within your life right now. He wants to exchange your greatest fractures for his greatest strengths. I often say that if you're a city, that you wouldn't be London if you're a city and you wouldn't be Sydney and uh, you wouldn't be New York. If you're a city, you'd be San Francisco, you'd be Los Angeles, uh, in, even in New Zealand, you'd be Christchurch, you'd, you'd, you'd be Tokyo, you'd be a city built on a fault line because God places the greatest skyscrapers of His strength on the greatest fault lines of your weakness. It, it says in 2 Corinthians that, 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 that God's grace is sufficient for us. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. And if you wanna meet with the strength of God, I'm not saying that your gifts and talents aren't strong, they're created strengths. But beyond created strengths, there are imparted strengths. And if you could add, I think the success of life is, is you can add your created strengths and attach them to imparted strengths then I wanna say the sky's the limit for you. And, and you know, God can do amazing things through you. I think that the other thing that, that is important about an encounter with God, about being on the extremities is that, is that God often leaves you with a reminder that you've been on the edge in order to keep you on the edge for the rest of your life. And this is what it says about Jacob in Chapter 32 of Genesis, verse number 31, it says, The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip, because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. He walked with a limp, and I would say that every one of us have got a limp. Everybody, every one of us have got a sensitive spot that you're thinking, when's this going to heal? And God says, well, it is healed. This is as far as it's going to go. It's, it's going to be sensitive to walk on. And it's going to be a little symbol in order to remind you of your humanity. Because when you're reminded of your humanity, it keeps you 
humble and it keeps you on the edge and it stops you relying upon your own goodness, on your own strength, on your own heritage and it causes you to stay in the anointing of God. Sometimes people visit the anointing, they visit the power of God, but it's momentary and yet God wants us to live in the power of God. So He'll, he'll, he'll arrange it so that there'll be a memory that won't go. There'll, there'll be something physical that won't go as a reminder to you for the rest of your days that it's not by might, it's not by power, it's by God's Spirit. There's an evangelist way back in England called Gypsy Smith. And I tell this story often, but, but he, he saw thousands of people get saved, did huge crusades. And the reason why it's called Gypsy Smith is because uh, he came from a, a little gypsy, a gypsy colony, a little group of people just outside London. And, uh, and you know, and, and he, him and his dad, uh, you know, they lived in, the whole family lived in poverty. And every time he saw a lot of people get saved and a lot of people come down to the altar, he used to put his hand in his coat pocket and he said, just fiddle around for a little bit. And people thought, why are you fiddling around? A reporter said, what are you doing? What's in that coat pocket of yours? And he took out a peg. And they said, why are you carrying a peg? He said, he said because when I see the glory of God, it just, it, I, I want to be reminded of where I actually have come from. And him and his dad used to sell pegs up and down the terrace houses of the east of London uh, to try and make enough money to, to, to at least feed the family on. And it reminded him of his humble origins. And the reason why he needed reminding is because, is because it's very easy for success to get to our heads and it's very easy for us to disconnect from God. Hebrews says that we often drift away from God. It's not a deliberate backsliding. It's, it's not as if I'm gonna now go and take some drugs. For most of us, it's just a drifting, a gradual drifting away. And you know, God wants us to every now and again put a hand in our coat pocket and feel the peg. And He's given a peg to every single one of us. I call it, and not a peg, but I call it a, post, a post-it note. And, you know, a post-it note is, 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 is just something God leaves around just to remind you of humanity and just to remind you of your need for God so you can stay in the encounter zone, so you can stay in that zone between the extent of your limits and the beginning of His capacity. And I'll give you a couple of examples that happened to me that, that I'm, always looking, I'm always looking for praise, always looking for affirmation. And if I'm worried about something, I want people to say the opposite. Hey, Dave, don't worry about it. And, and you know, some, especially one person I met recently, I said something negative and then they said, they added to the negativity and it, it took me by surprise and I thought hey don't do that to me and I just realized you know just as an allegory that on on their collar was a post-it note from God saying Dave don't rely on the opinions of other people rely upon what I say not on what they say and it's a little post-it note because because my default is to come back just to what everybody else thinks and and I need to be exclusively not what other people think but what God thinks and I'm too much a man pleaser and I'm too much uh, dictated by what other people say around about me Another post-it note uh, for me is, is I, you know, I just, I, I love it when people like what I do on Instagram, on Facebook. And, but there's always, there's always one or two people that never like anything I do, that, that never, you know, they never put any comments on. And, and it just it annoys me sometimes, you know, and uh, because, I, because these are people I care for and I want to see them caring for me. And, and often, again, just as an analogy, um, on the back of my iPhone, there's just a 
a post-it note uh, saying, Dave, it's, it's, it's my thoughts towards you, not their thoughts towards you that count. I'm your admirer. I'm your adorer. I'm your affirmer. And it's pretty similar to the first post-it note, but I need that. And I think sometimes God stops certain people affirming you because He wants you to be affirmed from heaven. He stops some people from crossing your path. And you can, you can what I do, I, I love hate people. It's not hate the opposite of love, it's hate the undecided love. I'll love them, hate them, love them, hate them. I'll get angry at them. It's, it's because I'm over-attached to them. And I think over-attachment, it, it, it always works against us because, because we're over-attaching to someone who can't love us as much as we need to be loved. They're not as consistent as we need uh, in our adoration. It's only God whose love's consistent enough uh, for us. So they're two post-it notes. Um, I remember when we moved into the mega center as a church, we, we bought a 54,000 square foot building Hope City Church in Sheffield. And I would say when we bought it, it was probably the largest church building outside of uh, maybe York Cathedral or something uh, in, all of, in all of England. And, uh, and I thought it was, even though it was an old uh, garden tools factory in the industrial heartlands of England, I thought it was pretty cool that we should have such a large building. And, uh, but we'd run out of money pretty quickly. And, uh, and so we think, how are we going to carpet this place? And someone noticed at the Odeon Cinema, which was in town, that someone was pulling out all of the carpet to put in new carpet. And so uh, one of the guys from church asked uh, the renovators if we could have the carpet. They said, you could have the carpet. And so we had some guys who'd never laid carpet before. And, uh, and so they brought it down picked off all of the uh, popcorn from it, cleaned off all of the dried Coca-Cola from it and started to put it into rooms. My office was the last room that they put it in. And, uh, and so I, I had the leftover of the carpet and it not only smelt, but when they put it down, um, it didn't quite go down because it was like two inches from the right-hand wall. There was a gap. You could see the floorboards through it. And every time I was working in there, I kept on looking down thinking, they did a terrible job. And secondly, I'm the pastor of the church. Why, why couldn't they have started with my room? And there's no doubt that, that just stuck underneath the carpet was a post-it note from heaven saying, Dave, this is not a pedestal ministry, this. This is a rescue ship to rescue people from the gates of hell. It's not a mega centre, even though that's what you've called the building. It's a mega rescue ship. It's not about your prestige. It's not about how good looking your office is. This is a matter of the purpose for which I took you from Australia to England. And you know, some of you right now have got a post-it note just under your carpet, a post-it note just under something you love. There's an imperfection in what you thought was perfect. And, and, and God set it up because He doesn't want you to, to go back and rely upon your strength, rely upon your abilities. He wants you to rely upon Him all the way. He's got you to the extremity. And now He wants to keep you at the extremities of your ability at the beginning of His ability. Maybe I'll last leave you with, with a, like for me, a famous postal a post-it note was when I was in Sydney. I went to Sydney University, studied civil engineering of all courses. And, um, and I was about to preach at a very large church in Sydney. And, and every time I've lived, in, all the time I lived in Sydney, I felt incredibly lonely just incredibly lonely. And, and, and so I was back in Sydney. I went out on the balcony of the hotel and, and I was feeling 
I was feeling lonely, but also feeling excited that that I was about to preach in this very successful church. And I, I felt this post, post-it note just, just begin to flutter down in the breeze and I caught it. And it simply said this, you can see how far I've brought you, Dave. That's all it said. And I thought, you're right. Look how far you've brought me. And I realised it was God who had led me by fire. It was God who had led me by cloud. It was God who transformed my life from a lost, lonely existence to one that was full of the Holy Spirit and full of purpose. And I remember my origins and I remembered my author, the author of my faith. And it just made a difference. It made me preach with humility. It made me preach with purpose and do what I did just under the guidance of the anointing of God. Posted notes all around about our lives in order to keep us on the front line, keep us on the cutting edge. And congratulations for those that are, for those that are now being moved into it. Don't panic. Don't think, oh no, I've got no strength left because the end of your strength is the beginning of God's strength. You might feel right now that, that your life is like a Sydney to you, that, that, that there's a lostness and there's a, a loneliness within you right now. And you're thinking, hey, I want that author that you've got, Dave. I can see it in your eyes. I can see it in your face. I can see that you've been carried by something. I can see that there's a purpose that's been written by your Creator. And you can have that right now. I'm gonna be praying for you just in a few seconds time in order to give you an opportunity to move from lost to found, to move from from uh, from darkness into lightness, to move from confused into clear and to move from from unsaved into saved. And if you were to pray this prayer, then God also offers everlasting life. That if you were to die today, you'd go straight to heaven. The death has no sting. It's not the end of your life. And so here's the prayer I'm gonna pray. And I'd love you to pray. I'll pray it slowly. But if you're in your home right now, or if you're uh, outdoors, if you're on your device, if you're watching on your TV, then here's your opportunity to make Jesus Christ your Saviour, make Jesus Christ the author and the finisher of your faith, to, to make Him the painter of your masterpiece. Close your eyes if you want to. Father God, say this after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I ask You into my heart. I realise that You are the author of life, the beginning of life, the bringer of life, the giver of life. And I receive that right now in Jesus' Name. Forgive me for my sins, for my misgivings, for my miscalculations. And I ask You to take my sins upon Your cross. And I thank You for dying for them in Jesus' Name. Be the leader of my life, be my Lord, and be my heavenly Father forever and ever. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, congratulations. It's, it's, a, it's a great step toward God. And as you step toward God, God steps toward you. And for those that are at the extremities right now, you better watch out. Something extraordinary is about to take place. We hope you've enjoyed our podcast today. If you have, we'd love for you to subscribe to our channel right on our homepage so you can hear all the latest messages from Hope City Church. Why not head to our website at hopecity.church to keep up to date with all that's happening across Hope City.